Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your host, Justin and Kayla. And we have a podcast we've been waiting to do. Taylor Swift graced us with another album, Kayla. We got to dive into it. I mean, so special. It's been two years since her last album. And what a gift. What a treat. And what I love is that she doesn't make us linger over waiting, you know, six months before it to come out. She gives it to us pretty quick, and I appreciate it. I liked the TikTok buildup of the song lyrics. Um, I, I'm just, I was ready for Midnight, and I didn't know I was until it came. She knew. She knew. She always knows. She, she does. is so in the weeds on every little thing that she could probably just put out like six more albums right now and without even thinking about it. Oh, I yeah. don't think she sleeps. All she does is write lyrics and put it with music. That's all she does. When Folklore and then Evermore sister albums came out, just and she just is like, yeah, I got a whole nother album that's coming out like Friday. Like now the door's open. She could do anything. She really could. And she still has the re-releases. So yes. she's doing all this while she's doing the re-releases. And we'll get into you know more detail on the Midnight's album. But I think that's personally one of the reasons she came out with this one because she's probably looking through her notes, her her old songs, and it, it kind of brought things back to the light for her where she's like, oh, this is a bit of an idea I had in an old notebook. What if I really turn this into something else? And then wham, bam, here we go. A new album pops out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So let's get right into it because there's a lot to cover on Midnight. So it is Taylor Swift's 10th album. Came out on October 21st this year. First album since, like I said, 2020 Folklore and Evermore. Midnight's is a concept album about nocturnal contemplation written and produced by Swift with Jack Antonoff, who we talked about before on the podcast and she worked with as the main collaborator. So it was like her and him primarily. It was inspired by 13 sleepless nights of Swift's life drawing from 1970s fashion are as often is. And she discusses self-criticism, self-assurance and security, anxiety, insomnia, Broke Spotify's record for the most single day stream for an album and spawned 10 top Billboard top 10 songs on the Hot 100. Wild. All she, 10 songs were. Yeah, all 10. 10 songs were her, which is the first time there has not been a male artist in the top 10. And that's because she just said, screw this, I'm doing all of the top 10. And that seems like a bit of a specific marketing strategy where she's just like, oh, I'm pushing these out. I'm making sure this is going to the top of every chart you can imagine. And even with her, her strategy with the vinyl sales, right? Yes. She's got the vinyl albums out, which you have to buy eight of them to make a clock or something, right? So yes, yes. she's getting more than one purchase per customer on she's average smart. right she now. She knows the Swifties will put out their cash. Um, it was also inspired by self thoughts of self-hatred, revenge, fantasy. She loves a good revenge fantasy lately. Um, and wondering what might have been falling in love, falling apart. Herself and Jack Antonoff wrote 11 out of 13 songs. Swift wrote Vigilante Shit herself, and she did Sweet Nothing with her boyfriend of six years, Joe Elwood. And we will be digging into the 3 a.m. edition yes. as well, where she had a couple songs with Aaron Desner, who she worked with on Evermore and Folklore a lot. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, which will be 20 songs, of course. So... Off the top, what type of sound were you expecting or looking forward to on this album? Coming off of Evermore Folklore. She is such a wild card. It's tough because she's gone from country to kind of country pop to straight up pop. And then she kind of had the dad rock phase there with Folklore and Evermore, which I really enjoyed. So I had no real 
thought going into mm-hmm. this. I was like, maybe she goes more rocky. Maybe she goes back to pop. I had no idea until I listened to the album. And it is much more pop-based. Yes. she. I think she took, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be like a folklore just because we had Evermore. If it was just folklore, I would have said she tapped into something. But because she had two whole albums with a similar sound, I was like, I feel like she's going to be doing something different. And this was, I, I mean, I definitely had notes of Evermore folklore on it. Um, but yeah, this was definitely a semi-return to pop. I would say it's not, no 1989, but it's definitely like a return to pop. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it really, just the sound of the album, it seems like she really hits a lot of her previous eras. Yes. You can hear some Speak Now in there, obviously some Red, 1989 Reputation, even a little bit of the Folklore Evermore kind of writing aspect for, for some of the songs. So it seems like she just kind of tapped into her entire catalog to meld it into one great album. Now, having listened to Midnight's, I'm sure, many, many times, where does it rank in Taylor Swift's albums for you? This is so tough because every single one of her albums is amazing. Oh, man. I think 1989 and Rod Taylor's version are at the top of my list. Okay. Um, and I think it's it's between Evermore and Folklore. I think it's right okay. at that, like, maybe fourth out of the ten okay. albums right now for me. Yep. Okay. Folklore and Evermore just hit every yeah like just hit everything for me that i look for in music which is crazy because 1989 was so high i was like i just don't think it can be matched i almost want to put 1989 after folklore but before evermore just because it was such a like when that album came out it was wild um but yeah this would be like probably right below that with red following yeah so we have it right around that four spot yeah yeah um how do you like to listen to taylor swift album now you might be wondering what does that mean? Here's what I'll tell you. When I listened to the album, I w- committed to two listens in order of track listing. So it's just, I'm giving it two turns. And then that's when I start one. I know what songs that are like my favorite. So I tend to keep playing those, but then I start playing the songs that I don't know necessarily, especially when we were talking about ranking this album. Yep. Um, and that's kind of my, how I kind of go into it. What about you? Yeah, so you have to listen to it straight through. No skips, at least I'm going to say the first like three times for me. And then after probably the second time to get a feel of the sound, I'll start digging more into the lyrics of the album. And that will affect how I feel about some of the songs. If I like the storytelling of some of the songs, I'll start listening to those more to kind of just make sure I remember the lyrics and pop around around that way and... I, I love just, it when you pop around. Yeah, you know? when I pop around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I uh, yeah. I with this album, it was interesting because I knew like right away what my favorite song would be, like when I heard it. Um, Uh-oh. And I knew what ones. I was like, uh, no, that's a miss for me. But what what was hard was definitely some of the songs are just slightly different than the other, or like. They're hard to mix between. It was definitely hard ranking this album. It was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Yes. You know, yeah. I we have degrees. I got an engineering license. I've worked. This is the <laughs> toughest thing I've ever done in my life yes. is ranking this album because, like you said, there are so many songs that are kind of clustered in that same feel, that same sound. And there's remnants of the other album. So it's like, oh, that kind of sounds like Delicate. That kind of sounds yes. like uh, yes. Nobody, No Crime. So there's like these different 
where it reminds you back of one of her previous albums. And I think the top few was very clear to me. The number one was clear and obvious from the jump. Mm -hmm. The number 20 was clear and obvious from the jump. It's about that five through 15 range. Right. They can go anyway. The number five song could drop down to number 15, depending on how I'm feeling or the last time I heard it. It's just so good that it's tough yeah. to really separate. Probably the fifth one was a struggle just because if I was like saying a top five, it mattered. You know, what I was saying was part of the five, yeah. but it was, it, I was definitely on the struggle bus. But let's get right into our ranking. So how I want to do this, Justin, is let's, I'll read off my 20 through six, leaving my top five for after, and then you. And of course, we might be surprised on where we have it, but we'll go into a song by song kind of rundown. So here we go. I'll start. All right. Give me a second after each okay. song so I can either react like, oh, that makes sense, or just completely just eviscerate you. So I I don't, I'm, I have one of the original album songs as my number 20 meaning like this is outside of the three hours already so a bit of a curveball and that's why i think you're going to be surprised by what i say by 20 again i'm not going to go into it i'm just going to read up vigilante shit i knew it when you told me i think uh -huh. you're going to be surprised by my 20 i yep. looked at my wife i go it's probably going to be vigilante uh -huh. shit because she's going to think that i love it and i'm going to be baffled that it's at the bottom i think her. you'd be surprised i had it dead last but i uh, yeah i'm surprised but I do it's have dead, dead last. last yeah like yeah that's wow okay then yeah. i have my number 19 is glitch for 18 i have the great war 17 is bigger than the whole Scott. You're giving me a face. Well, already. I'm just, you're going through songs and I generally agree, but there's a couple just obvious ones that haven't been mentioned yet. Continue. At the bottom? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So 17 is bigger than the whole sky. 16 is maroon. Whoa. Uh -huh. Whoa. Uh huh. I knew that was going to be controversial. Maroon. 15 is Paris. 14 is Mastermind. What? That's Thir the key to the whole album is Mastermind. It's number three. Oh, Listen. okay. Sorry, Kayla. Continue. 13 is High Infidelity. 12 is Midnight Rain. 11 is Dear Reader. 10 is Sweet Nothing. Now, did you put 11 or uh, Dear Reader that high just because it had Reader in it? Um, you know, I definitely put Infinity, but no, good song. 10 is Sweet Nothing. 9 is Labyrinth. Eight, wow. 8 wow. is Question. 7 is Woulda, Shoulda, Coulda. You do not know how to rank albums, Kayla. <laughs> Everything she says from here on out all, is invalid. Oh, my God. Invalid. Six is Bejeweled. All right. That is my 20 through six. Go ahead. What's your 20 through six, Mr. Judgmental? Oh, my God. superior ranking. Your list is so bad. Go ahead. So bad. Start, what's your 20? Number 20th, Clear and Obvious, Labyrinth. Get it oh out of here. Oh, my God. What? If I had to cut one song from this album, <gasps> Labyrinth, see ya. Garbage. Next, Snow on the Beach. Skip it every time oh. now. My yep. God, what is wrong with you? The song sucks. Well, not sucks. Every song on this is good, but... There's a rage bubbling a scale, within. On a scale, <laughs> Snow on the Beach is number 19. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear your ass. This is already garbage. Okay, I'm ahead. already pissed at yours. We're Go just going to... We're going to fight. We may physically fight if we gonna get off mic. It's going to turn into a brawl. <laughs> um, 18, Bigger Than the Whole Sky. Okay. 17, The Great War. Okay. 16, Dear Reader. 15, Glitch. Okay. 14, Paris. Those are kind of similar yeah. vibes to me. 13, Question. 12, Sweet Nothing. Okay. 11, Bejeweled. And this is where it started to get a little difficult for me because I've been reorganizing these about 25 different times. Number 10, I have is Karma. Okay. Number 9, Vigilante Shit. Okay. Number 8, High Infidelity. 
Really? Okay. Number seven, Midnight Rain. Mm-hmm. And number six, Lavender Haze. <laughs> yep. I, I Way just, better list. Your outrage makes zero sense, but okay. Well, before we, we, we got to, because, okay. <laughs> Let's get to our five through one. I'll go. I, I my mind is reeling off of your. I, 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 I'm okay. already pissed. I need to reset. I have that like anxiety <laughs> feeling building up where I, I need to control myself. I have so between I don't rage and rage. Okay, so my number five is you're on your own, kid. Okay. Four is lavender haze. Okay. Three is snow on the beach. That is preposterous. That that is why I'm so wild out that you had it so low. Wow. Now this is where I think we're flipped, but we'll see. My number two is antihero. My number one is karma. Okay. You know, I do like karma and I go back and forth on it. I probably would have been able to move it up to like five or six, just not quite up to number one. Now my top five. Okay. Even though we were supposed to go back and forth, five, four. Oh, sorry. I I was so enraged. I forgot my plan. I'm sorry. It's okay. My number five is Maroon. And this is a song that has gone between five and about 11 on my list. Wow. The more I listen to it. Four, Mastermind. I think this is the so- the most critical song for the entire album. It is at the end of the initial 13, and it just kind of outlines everything that she's done to get to this point and how she's kind of developed that base sure. of listenership. Number three, I have Antihero. Oh, okay. Number two, you're, you're on your own, kid. Wow, okay. And the most obvious, clear, no doubt, number one song on the album, would have, could have, should have, by far. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's it. My list, so much better, Kayla. Wow. Okay, okay. This is interesting. Wow, (laughs) I need to kind of think about this. She's reeling. (laughs) All right, we're going to try to hold in the inner rage at some of our (laughs) rankings, and we're going to go in order of song track listing. Um, So that means number one is Lavender Haze. That's what she opens up the album with. And Taylor Swift has said that the song is about her relationship she's had for six years, having to dodge weird rumors, tabloid stuff. And so the song is about ignoring the stuff, that stuff to protect the real stuff. And she also said that she came across the phrase lavender haze while watching Mad Men and that it describes the feeling of being in love. So lavender haze. Yeah, she loves her colors. Yep. Number one, you have Zoe Kravitz in the song, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool. And I love that the opening lines of the album are on the song Meet Me at Midnight. Yes. Which is kind of perfect for the Midnight's album. And so many good lyrics. I mean, the uh, surreal, I'm damned if I give a damn what people say, no deal, the 1950s shit they want from me. And then she goes on, the only kind of girl they see is is a one night or a wife. Just great lyricist, no matter what. Anybody wants to argue, they can just go. Yes, this song like grew in my esteem the more I listened to it. We didn't have it too far off each other. I had it for you at six. Um, yeah, that line you said, I'm damned if I do give a damn what people say. I mean, yeah, especially take the celebrity out of it. Just in general, how many times do people say, I don't care what people think. I find the people that say that the most care the most, um, because it's just human nature, you know, to care what people say about you. And then we find out later in the album, she basically says, I really do care. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which is just painted throughout this album, but it's a really good opener for me. The one is the best was just such a good opener in the last album. I would would have said the same thing. They're probably her two best openers. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
So, um, but I enjoyed it. Like I said, the more I listened to it, the more I kind of fell in love with it. So that's my Lavender Haze thoughts. Ready for the next one? Yep. Number two is Maroon. And this is where we are wildly off from each other. I had Maroon at 16 and you have at number five. So it's quite the jump. So Maroon is about a short-term relationship. It could possibly be rumored that's about her relationship with Tom Hiddleston. Uh, He's rumored on another song too. It has, I like the lyrics particularly the one that stood up to me is and i wake up with your memory over me like your memory over i just love that concept you didn't go the next line that's a real fucking legacy yeah like just a great line but i like the storytelling storytelling part of maroon i i love it when she does storytelling in her songs i'm just not a fan of the beat and like the core like how the chorus is song it's just not it's just not that's where we're different. Like, I obviously love the storytelling. I love the name of the song's Maroon. It's a play off of her Red album. So the immediate, is this about Jake Gyllenhaal? Not really, but she loves her colors. Like we said, the first two songs are Lavender, Haze, and Maroon. But the line, how did we end up on the floor anyway? Your roommate's cheap-ass screw-top rosé. That's how. I'm just like, that. I laugh every time I hear it. And every time it goes to the the chorus with the and I I'm, I start no, belting it out, yeah. belt it out every time, and it just slowly matriculated up the list. The more I listen to it, because I jam out every single time. I hear a lot of this. This is a very Jack Antonoff song. Granted, he oh yeah, like it's very bleachers to me. It's very especially that like you said and I doom doom like that is just so bleachers. Um. And I like I like Bleachers. It's just this song, yeah, it just didn't it's not my song. It just really isn't. But I can under I, I want it to be because when I love Maroon, I look good in Maroon, rock the color, but couldn't couldn't fall in love with it the way I wanted to. But I'm glad you did. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm probably on the minority. A lot of people don't seem to be huge fans of that that one, but I'm I'm riding for it. Let's go. Let's go right into number three, which is if people don't know that she one has an album out or two that like any other song of this album, I, I mean, people who don't listen to her are like, I have the song stuck in my head and they're singing the lyrics to antihero. This is just everywhere right now. It's basically Taylor against Taylor seeing herself as the problem. Um, she said the song is really a guided tour through all the things I tend to hate about myself. I really don't think I dwelled into this far into my insecurities in this detail before. I mean, Literally the beginning chunk, like the first part, I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Midnights become my afternoons. When my depression works, the graveyard shift. All of the people I've ghosted stand there in the room. I mean, no, no fault in those lyrics. I listen to them over and over. Midnights become my afternoons. I mean, God, that's where I sit there and I go like, it's so amazing to have an artist that can just articulate feelings like that you know when you have those like just thoughts that overwhelm you at night and you have those late night series like it's just I she's love a magician <laughs> this song's so good and generally i am a little bit i guess pessimistic about the big number one single that everybody's listening to i'm like ah, is that really the song i want to i want to put towards the top of my list but the more you dig into the lyrics, just the more there is to love instead of just that it's me high on the problem. It's me, obviously. A lot of good things you pointed out and which we have to mention here, the sexy ba- baby line. Sometimes I feel like everyone is a sexy baby <laughs> and I'm a monster on the hill. Just 
absolutely absurd. I just walk around my house just, sometimes I feel like a <laughs> sexy baby. Sexy baby. I mean, lurching. How, how many people are saying about lurching, you know, <laughs> towards your favorite city? Again, such a, like, it's something so personal to her. And, like, how many times it's so personal, especially when you're scrolling on, like, Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You see, you're seeing all these made-up people, and you do feel kind of like the, hey, hey, you guys, you know, like, rough. Um, But then she also gets into, like you said, it's kind of looking inward at herself here. And she's got the lyric, did you hear about my overt narcissism? I might disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman. Just how do you get that to flow that effortlessly in this song? It's it's honestly just baffling to me, the string of rhymes that she's able to keep in the middle of these songs while telling a story. And listen, this may be controversial, but I... It's, I think Taylor Swift is a really good person, but I also feel like sometimes some comments that people say about her, not necessarily as this like evil kind of male player, but especially when she was in the girl squad, 1989 era, like yeah. I could see how maybe behind the scenes she'd rub people's people wrong, yeah. like her attitude or how she gets this group of people around her. Like part of me is like, it's not this cookie cutter image. Sometimes we're fed. Like her image is very carefully crafted. And sometimes when someone has that way, in a way you're not really seeing many flaws, you start to wonder as some of the comments people have said true. But what I like is that she, as much as she's singing, I'll, I'll stare directly at the sun, but ever in the mirror, she is because she is this like altruism. I'm about this positivity and all this stuff. And you know, but I'm also, no, I'm top. And it's hard not yeah. to be when you have 10 songs from this album on the top 10. Like, how do you not stay humble and just like, what? How, and you know, how many albums can you have be so big and still have that? Oh, I'm so stunned. Like, so stunned that people love my music, you know? She still wants it as much as she did early on. Yes. And that's evident after Reputation didn't mm-hmm. win Album of the Year. She's like, I'm going back in the lab. I'm fucking putting out some bangers coming up where they're not going to be able to deny me going forward. And she just keeps grinding. I mean, how many years has she been at this now? She's like 15, give or take. And every album is just top of the charts every single time. This is a TikTok fave. It's number one for a reason. Really great song. Let's go into number four, which is Snow on the Beach featuring Lana Del Rey. That's all we need to say. We can move on. That's about no, the only no. Thing I will song. say my piece on this song that I had as number three, and I yikes, you had as number nineteen. So I love Lana Del Rey. I don't like every song, but when I do like a song, I'm like, oh my god, you you are doing something I I do not hear. A lot of jokes have been about where is Lana Del Rey on the song because She's I expected <laughs> her to have a bridge and she only appears in like the chorus and she's just harmonizing with Taylor. So like her voice gets lost. I think I hear her clear as day, but again, I wish she would have had her own bridge, her own like portion of the chorus on her own. If you're going to have Lana Del Rey, I feel like use her. Um, Especially the way it was promoted where she's like, oh my God, Lana Del Rey is going to be on this album. She's going to be featured in the song. And you're like, oh, cool. Their voices sound really good together, I'll say, especially when they're like singing the chorus together. She gets lost because they sound so good together. Um, I'm thinking about how you had as 19 and I had it as number three. And I don't know if it's the lyrics or it's got to be the sound. 
It's I love slow. the slowness ah. of it. I love the the sadness. Of, even though it's like a song about falling in love, I mean, the weird but fucking beautiful sensation of falling in love at the same time someone's falling in love with it. Even though it's like a lot of times the songs that she talks about relationships, I interpret it a different way yeah. because it's a lot of it, even though it's about falling in love, like it sounds sad, I would say, if you're not paying attention to lyrics, it sounds like a sad song. Um, a bit in some areas, but I, I, I mean the the line and time can't stop me quite like you did. I mean, I love it. I just yeah, I I like the slowness of the song. I like the lyrics. I like that it's almost wintry, like the do do, like very light, you know, in the sound. I love it. Yeah, it it is. I just I don't know. I it, I just didn't get it. The, it was too slow. The sound didn't really catch me. It it seemed a little too repetitive with the chorus. I mean, I, I didn't get enough like storytelling out of it. I, it kind of reminds me of, I just had a weird thought, so maybe this is wild for me to say, but it reminded me of that song from Beauty and the Beast when they're like falling in love in the snow. Uh, when they're like, there's something there that wasn't there before. Now, you want to sing as- it for us? There's something there that wasn't there before. Wow, impressive, Thank Kayla. you. I <laughs> uh, listened to it quite a few times, as you can tell. It's not as fast as that song, but it, now that I think about it, it's that concept of two people falling in love, you know? Um, I love it, yeah. I, you know me. I like the slow, I like the sad sounding of it, and I think Lana Del Rey, while isn't extremely prominent on the song, is good, but I can, I can see how you wouldn't like it. I actually can't see why you wouldn't like it, so that was a lie. <laughs> that was a um, lie. But Thanks, I, I will allow you to have that for yourself. <laughs> uh, let's go into number five, You're On Your Own Kid, which is kind of about a girl waiting for a boy to notice her, but she gets tired of waiting and runs away to play songs, which she achieves fame and fortune. Sound familiar? And she realizes she's still on her own, like despite all of that. Yeah. Ends on a positive note, this song. We had it pretty high. What did you think about the song? Yeah, I just think it's a great song. It's kind of, uh, it's a little autobiographical, but not entirely to it. It's a number five, so it's supposed to be kind of like one of those heart-wrenching, you know, kind of ballads that she likes to put at her number five spot on her albums. The storytelling was great. Obviously, Jack Antonoff again, so it had a little bit of a poppy element to it, but it was more of a dark dark lyric wise but kind of poppy sound to it if that makes sense to me and you know the i looked around in a blood-soaked gown just lyric is phenomenal so i i i don't know every time i listened to it it kept going up my list because at first i was like all right really like you had nobody no friends as a kid to play with are you kidding me this seems a little ridiculous and the more i listened to it the more i kind of understood what she was trying to get through that she was looking for you know, a fairy tale early on and she realized that wasn't going to happen. So she had to go do her own shit. I like that it, you know, the concept or feeling of like being alone or being afraid to be alone or just being lonely, obviously is universal. What I liked about the song is that throughout it, she has, you know, this fear you're on your own kid, you know, as like, it's you. And then the end kind of has that line basically that you, it's a reality. You are alone. You have yeah. been alone. So why are you afraid of something that, you know, you're lonely, you're afraid to be lonely, but you are alone. So like, it's almost like that's a reality you're currently living. So don't be afraid of it. Actually like realize that you're okay and you're alone now. So you're going to be okay. It's not, it's not really this horrible future. It's that you have those times you're alone. And so I, I even though it was 
sad in parts, I like the ending that like, don't be afraid to be alone. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that concept. You got to work on yourself. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of times people are with someone because they don't want to be alone They're you know, and yeah, it, it actually made me feel positive. It was very like, you know, like yourself basically. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it on your own. Just, uh, pick yourself up, go after what you want. Don't worry about all this other shit. I like, I also like the titles that you're on your own kid because I say that a lot, whether I'm with like younger people or like I got called like, listen, kid all the time. And so that's just like a, a yeah. phrase in my, you know, vocabulary a lot and what I heard of growing up. So I appreciate it. Um, number six, midnight rain, which is about the heartbreak of breaking someone else's heart by putting one's career ahead of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mentions of rain, kind of like an Evermore, themes of starting over, like Tis the Damn Season or Dorothea. Who is the man who stayed the same? Is interesting, rumored to be Hiddleston or Taylor Lautner. Um, what do you think of Midnight Rain? It uh, it went back and forth on me. I just, every time they go, I wanted that pain, I yes. just can't not jam <laughs> out to it. Love it. And then there's so many, you know, good lines in this as well. You know, he wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing that fame. He just stayed the same. It's just, I'm going I, after what I want. I singled those exact lyrics yeah. with the tail end of all of me changed like midnight. I love that line. Like, think about time. Just like, it, it's kind of like even daylight savings time, which is technically 2 a.m. But like, things change. And just like, it's a new day. In one minute, it's a new day, whatever that means to you. And so I love the ability that all of me changed like midnight. It reminds me of a... Uh, Fault in our stars. There's a line. I know cheesy book. I'm sure people have feelings, but but John Green wrote a line that he said, "Falling in love's like falling in sleep. You 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 know slowly and then all at once, which is how you fall asleep, right? Slowly and then you're just out. Yeah, that's good. It's like falling in love, and to me, it's one of the most beautiful lines. And that reminded me of you know all of me changed like midnight when it just hits you. Um, I went back and forth on this song too, where it was placed, but it's I really enjoy it. Number seven question which is both the word question dot 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 and a question mark theories you know there's some homage of the color of feelings like in maroon um you showed me colors you know i can't see with anyone else like in illicit affairs obviously all of red has the color theme (laughs) um i like the rhythm of the song good girl sad boy big city wrong you know i like that like dun 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 the chorus is a little cheesy. The, that's the reason it was kind of in uh-huh. the middle, at the bottom, or middle low yes. of my list is the chorus is so freaking cheesy. I just can't <laughs> deal with it. You know, and the second half of it is fine. It's just the like, have you ever fall, you know, kiss someone in a crowded room? And I'm like, no, Taylor, no. And people are clapping for you. No, <laughs> like not relatable, Taylor. Cracked me up. Yeah, that's the part that's a little like. Especially because it's the chorus. Yeah. A little cringy You hear for it over me. and over and you're yeah. like, Yeah. But like the, the rhythm of it is so good. Yeah. Number eight, vigilante shit. So the name itself, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. this is going to be a banger of a song. It was a little underwhelming mm-hmm. when I actually heard it. Uh, it's clearly about Scooter Braun. Oh, yeah. 100%. Right? Like where she 100%. is just going full like reputation style, badass, like I'm out for revenge. I don't start shit, but I can tell you how it ends. Like all of those lyrics where she's just going at him nonstop. They say looks can kill it. I might try. Like there's so many good kind of one liners in here that it went a little higher on my list than on yours where you had dead last. Dead last. Dead last. Why did you have it 
dead. How can you put something dead last that has the line, he was doing lines and crossing all of mine? It's not Come lyrics on. for me. It's and, and unless they're like very cheesy, because I struggle with cheesy things in general, unless like it's very cheesy, that will, the lyrics will deter me from a song, but generally lyrics won't. It is how it's sung, and it's really because I don't really like talk singing songs. And, and it's like and, an angry and talk. And that is pretty yeah. much what it is. Okay. And so that's why I think as soon as I heard it and listened to it through, I was like, yeah, this is a song I would not listen unless like the song was on shuffle and it happened to be on, and I'd probably skip it. And again, it's just because I don't really gear towards songs that are like more talking. Um, you know, it's similar to her last the song on Evermore's No Body, No Crime. You know, about Evil yep. Man Chiana What, you know, the storytelling of it, which is also wasn't one of my favorite songs on the album. So I think that's why. That's why it's a 20 for me. Just the song styling is just not my vibe. Okay, so number nine is Bejeweled. And this song moved so many times in my ranking. I eventually had to go where it is is where it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can enjoy it nonetheless. It's a song about a woman in a relationship who feels used, taken for granted by her partner, but can still make the whole place shimmer when she walks into a room. Speculation Corner says it's about Calvin Harris. I read the same thing, yeah. What did you think about, what are your bejeweled thoughts? Do they make you shimmer? Uh, my bejeweled thoughts are if this had a different name, it'd be higher up on my list. I hate the name Bejeweled. Why? I hate Why it. do you have such strong feelings on Bejeweled? I just, I think it sounds so corny and cheesy. <laughs> like, give me something else. I don't want the, the lyric Bejeweled all <laughs> over the place. I think the song is good. It's catchy. It's kind of fun. And it, it would probably be like three spots higher up my list if it had a different name, honestly. The name what? is really turning me off. What? Yeah. If you just listen to the song, it's fine. But like the well, they okay. she mentions bejeweled within the song multiple okay. times. So like okay, every yes. time I hear it, I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Couldn't we say <laughs> something else here? I mean, come on. Best believe. Okay, all right. Wow. Yeah, I get it. I think it. it's a nice story though, where it's like I'm going out. I can still shine. I can capture a room. I don't need you. And the one lyric I had written down was, "I made you my world. Have you heard? I can reclaim that land." And I'm just she's basically like I know my self worth. It may have taken me a minute, but yeah. I can take it back. I really like the beat of this. I really like the the sound of the chorus, you know. And I really like. I just sometimes I'm walking around the house like, and I could still make the whole place shimmer, you know. Like just I, yeah. I like it. I was a fan of Bejeweled, and that's why sometimes I'd be like, eh. And then it's very poppy, and that's what kind of would raise it up a bit because I do like. And this album is like. They have more serious, slower songs, yes. like more kind of like love ballads. And then there are the really poppy, like yes. these are just going to be fun when she plays them live at her new tour, which we haven't talked about yet. The Eras tour that is coming out here oh, soon. Oh, so. yes. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> this next song is number 10, Labyrinth, which I just have to point out was my number nine and your number 20. Yeah, worst the song. The song is about the anxiety Swift faces when falling in love, expecting the worst, and then being pleasantly surprised that it worked out. I had it obviously way... So why was this a 20 for you? I guess I'll bounce it back to you like vigilante shit. Why was this your number 20? Yeah, so I thought it had potential, right? I thought it it could have gotten a little bit more granular in the storytelling, I thought it was too repetitive. Okay. It just, it, I didn't really have enough out of the bridges. It was just too repetitive. It wasn't really fun. It's slow. And I just, I don't vibe out to it. When it comes on, I'm just like, oh, 
this maybe if i'm like in okay. a depressed mood mood i can listen to it but <laughs> she's got the the lyrics and i love when she does this too where she kind of switches the lyric like uh towards the end of the song and she starts with breathe in breathe through breathe deep breathe out which she said in her uh Com- commencement yes it was a, she actually gave i mean this is how good mm-hmm. taylor swift is she gave like you said those lines in her nyu commencement speech and then later on in the song she goes break up break free break through break down mm-hmm. so she kind of takes it she twisted and makes it her own which i love when she does that but i just can't get into the song i i'm not i'm not bopping around i'm not like it's enjoy. not a bopping around song you, know? no, you can't but, pop out to the song but it's know? also like if i'm depressed i don't want to listen to it like i i don't know it's just <laughs> okay. not there for me okay Kayla, what okay. about you why do you love this song <laughs> i love so that much? your arms are crossed right now too I, after you said yeah. the song is not for me um i i'm a sad girl so I, i'm very good. true this makes sense now you're, you're <laughs> you making know? sense this just checks out for me um you know obviously planes are very much a motif she goes back to um you know you have oh i'm falling in love thought the plane was going down how you turn it all around um you know that's in last kiss that's in getaway car you know she a lot of times she's on a plane you know she's traveling okay she's got places to be I this song didn't think anything of it, and then I started playing it over, and I again it like it reminds me of snow on the beach and the oh my sadness, gosh. the slowness, yeah. and I just really vibe with it. You know, I feel you. I, feel I you, don't Taylor know Swift. Kayla. I don't know how you vibe with it, but <laughs> you're a sad girl, Kayla. So there you I'm go. I'm a sad girl. And Labyrinth was for me. <laughs> um, number eleven, Karma, which was my absolute number one. In an interview with Apple Music, she said that karma was written from my perspective of feeling really happy, really proud of the way, you know, your life is, feeling like this might be a reward for doing stuff right. And it's a song that I really love because we all need some of those moments. We can't just be beating ourselves up all the time. So this song reminds me of when I listened to 1989 and I heard Blank Space for the first time. That was my reaction to listening to Karma for the first time. It is, I think, the most pop song from this album. Oh, it's a it's a banger to just jam out to, yeah. And I, the chorus, I mean, I'm singing it. (laughs) It probably says a lot about me. I sing it as soon as I get Karma is a cat. (laughs) Yeah. I can't sing, guys. Maybe not that line for me, but when she's just like, Karma is the breeze on the weekend. When she says Karma is a relaxing thought, I'm like, to me, that's the vigilante shit for me. Like, as powerful as vigilante shit is for, like, I'm getting my revenge, like, What's more revenge than karma being a relaxing thought to you? That you are just so confident and happy that other people are eating their own karma and you're living life good. And then like, and when she says, aren't you envious that for you it's not, I'm like, oh, it's just, to me, that's the brutal. That's the like in your face, like you're living your karma. I'm out here. I mean, it's the windows down. This song I've listened to it so many times. It might be my Spotify most played just in the amount of times I play it. And I think it adds a little bit to the song that the rumor was that she was making an album called Karma before the big dispute with Kanye and Kim Kardashian. So she scrapped that and made reputation and came out a little like angrier and like put it in your face. And now we have the song Karma, which is an upbeat, like positive song. But she is throwing those lyrics out there like, hey, yes. I'm better than you figured out. Yes. And to bounce off what you said, the rumored Karma album that didn't happen because of the 
the Kim and Kanye of it all, which ended up turning into Reputation, presumably. Yep. Uh, a song about correcting a reputation. Um, I just, this, like I said, Blank Space is my number one off of 1989. I'm going to be so curious how she reworks that because I just think it's a perfect song. Mm-hmm. Um this is just, I mean, I heard Antihero and I was like, this has to be it. But when I heard Karma, I was like, oh my, I just, that core, I lo- so that's the revenge for me, baby. I love it. Love Karma. It's the pop for me. Yeah, I think it's a great song. It's uh, the middle of my list. And that's one of the ones where it could have been number three. It could have been number 12. It, it lies where it lies. Yes. Kayla. Okay, let's go to number 12, which is Sweet Nothing. Obviously, I don't have too much to say other than this is, I'd say it could be the wedding song of the album. Yeah. What did you think about Sweet Nothing? Of course, this is what she wrote with her longtime partner, Joe Elwin. AKA William Bowery. Yes. On the album, right? Um, I initially was not a huge fan of the song. The more I listened to it, the more I understood the lyrics and liked it. And my wife has a bit to do with that because she loves okay. this song. This is towards oh, yeah. the top of I, her favorite that songs. That totally checks yeah. out. I think of your wedding song. And yeah. Then, yeah. Our yeah. wedding song was New Year's Day. It's kind of got a similar feel to it. And what she said was, you know, whenever we eventually have a baby, this is like the perfect kind of baby song, right? Like Sweet Nothing. It's kind of like a... Uh, how did she describe it? It's a love song, but it's okay. not necessarily a love song between like you and your spouse, but you can you can incorporate kind of like a, a child's lullaby to the song, which I thought was kind of interesting. So every time I hear it now, that's in the back of my mind. Interesting. Yeah. I, that d- didn't connect to me, but you guys are more in that than, well, than yeah. myself. <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah. I just, it's a sweet song. It's not like of all her rem- romance ballads like the number one but i just and i just love that you know writing it with someone that you're seeing too and like talking about the feelings you're sharing i think that's so sweet and cool that they're able to do that as songwriters and yeah it's just a good song it's a feel good sweet song yeah it's a feel good song and with the other songs on this album where she pushes back on marriage a lot, yes. right? It's kind of a, a weird through line of the album. Like, oh, everybody wants to get me married. No, not yet. And then you have this just sweet love song with her and her boyfriend, fiance, husband, who really knows. And I have to say, she did throw in the term smooth talking hucksters. So yes, that's yes. just, that is a great line. <laughs> she, you know, I think it's, you know, when you hit your 30s, and especially if you're with someone, it's when you're getting married, when you're getting married. And I'm sure she obviously is not, you know, not that's not happening to her. Obviously, yeah. it is. Whether the people in her life are outside, you know, the media. Um, and I like, I just like the line of, you know, outside they're pushing, shoving, you're in the kitchen humming, that she has this safe place to come home to. Yeah, she's and got this that's what you want. That's what you want. Yeah. You want the craziness of your days to be different when you're home with someone you love. And so I think that's just so sweet. She's got the You know, circus. fuck you, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's go back <laughs> to your lonely songs again after yeah. I listen to this one. But it's just a sweet, good song. Yeah, at home is where she wants to be. Like, there's a circus out there every time she goes out in public, but she feels safe and relaxed and calm at home doing nothing. You know, cooking with uh, Joe and relaxing. And it's just nice that she put that into a song. Yes, yes, totally agree. Um, so this one is interesting. We have number 13, which is Mastermind, and a reminder 
I had Mastermind at 14. You had it at four. We both had fours. I just want to point <laughs> out, we both had fours. Now, this song is about, you know, reclamation, self-analysis. What if I told you it was accidental? It's kind of like Lover um, with the line, I hate accidents except when we went from friends to this. There have definitely been accusations, like I mentioned earlier, about Taylor being this master manipulator. Only on this song, she's kind of reframing it as reframing herself as a puppet master for intentions are stemming from anxiety like in Mirabal. I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. Yep. And so very interesting. I don't disagree with the cleverness of Mastermind. But talk. you talked a little bit about how you think it's the center. Yeah, I, I don't want to be too repetitive, yeah. but it's the last song on the – the, main, yep. the main studio album, not part of the extended edition song 13. Obviously we know her affliction without number 13. And I think it's just the perfect closer of an album that ties everything together where she's talking about how she has orchestrated this life, this career for herself. And she has been able to move the pieces the way she wants around. And this is the result of it. And you have that right at the end of the album where you listen to it all. And then she's going, Hey, this was my plan all along. What do you think? And the amount of lines in this too. And I keep repeating lines because there's just so many great ones. Like she gets Machiavellian in a song. I'm I'm impressed with that. So (laughs) need to confess. And I swear I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I care. Like, come on. That is just brilliant. I mean, magical pen. And then she calls out herself with the mastermind concept, like you said, with the puppet strings, that nobody wanted to play with me as a little kid. So I've been scheming like a criminal ever since to make them love me and make it seem effortless. And this goes back to what you mentioned earlier. She, She really wants that you know, affection, that love from people. She cares about her public image and she has done everything in her power to sculpt that in the way that she wants that's best for her. And she makes it look effortless, but really it's a lot of work behind the scenes. She has good intentions now. One mm-hmm. could say there's a famous quote about the road to hell is faith with good intentions. <laughs> that's true. But, but you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like when you're trying to understand someone that is just acting a certain way and it, you know, does go back to the past. Like, how did they get there? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which does always result in a forgive forgiveness. Um, but what I like about it, like you said, is she's touching up when this is one of her midnights, which again, I love this concept of these multiple midnights of nights that she's picking out these things she's worried about or loving, you know, even just love itself. And so I, I love the lyrics in this. To me, it's just how the song is. Just didn't didn't kind of connect with me. Um, You're but wrong, it, but that's okay. It is a Kayla. great ending. Oh my goodness, can't help yourself. Um, but it's a good it's a good song. Not a great song to me. Okay, next. <laughs> okay, let's go into the next number fourteen. Again, we're doing the three M version. The Great War. So of course, easy relationships are battles, right? It's about regular trials of being in a relationship, trying not to let the past creep in and sabotage what you built. I don't have a lot of things on this. It's a lot of these, I'd say that some of them, not all songs at the end, the bonus songs you'd say are good, but I could see why they weren't put on the main album. Except for would have, could have, should have. Except for Dear Reader. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Kayla. (laughs) So The Great War, this was an Aaron Dessner uh, collab that she worked on. And it's a completely different sound than you have with Jack Antonoff. This this gave me, kind of reminded me of uh, The Last Great American Dynasty. Like that kind of sound to it, right? 
And that's because Aaron Dessner worked on that as well. I don't have much to say. It's There's a reason it didn't make the Midnight's cut. It's on the 3 a.m. cut. It's fine. I'm not overly excited about it. I don't skip it every time, but occasionally Wait. I skip it. It's just kind of one of those middle of the roads. Yes, yes. Uh, that leads us to number 15, which is bigger than the whole sky. Some rumors out there that it could be about her friend's miscarriage. Um, it is a sweet song, I think, but yeah, not, nothing, nothing really to really me. write home about, no. you know. Next, we have Paris. So eh. I have some feelings about this. So early stages of being in a relationship, feeling, you know, being so infatuated with someone that every place you go feels magical, which is relatable. Um, I You want to talk about cheesiness of lyrics? Now, this is... So much. I thought it was just me, but then I heard someone else talk about it. And I go, oh, no, people are talking about this. It's not just me. I love it until we get to the chorus. And when she talks about Paris and then rhymes it with somewhere else, I know some people love it. I cannot get over it. That I, is why it's as low as it was for me yeah. because that, like, I almost wish I could skip that part. It, it, it yeah. I, I am with you. It just seems like, it seems like kind of like a canned pop song to me. Yeah. Like, all right, this is, uh, I can just fill in a couple words here on a template and make a song out of it. It's not that storytelling or those autobiographical experiences that we really love about her music. It's giving me like a bit of red in just like the, like we were in Paris. Yeah. You know, like it's a little cookie cutter. A bit, Completely like you're agree. saying. And that's why, but again, I cannot forgive her for like we were in Paris, like we were somewhere else. I'm sorry, Taylor. I can't <laughs> get behind that. Um, okay, so next we have number 17, which is High Infidelity, rumored to be about Calvin Harris. I actually co-signed with that because one of the lyrics, Where Were You on April 29th? Of course, April 29, 2016, Kelvin, Kelvin Harris released the song This Is What You Came For with Rihanna, a song confirmed to have been written by Swift. She was under a pseudonym. When asked on the same day, Kelvin Harris, about a cl collaborating with Taylor Swift, who he was seeing, he goes, you know, we never, we haven't even spoken about it. I can't see it happening, though. And they broke up not too long after that. And they're saying that this song and his reaction was kind of what broke them. Well, yeah, I heard rumors that this could have been about her cheating on Tom Hiddleston. Interesting. With uh, with somebody. So it's is that Calvin Harris? I'm trying to think of the timelines there. I think just that April 29th, and yeah. that's when he had said that quote and was interviewed. That's when the one the song came out, and two when he had said that comment, and they broke up not too long. That's what that's what makes me lean Calvin Harris. And that's one of the kind of Easter, like the most obvious Easter yes. eggs in the album, right? Do you really want to know where I was April 29th? Do I really have to chart the constellations in his eyes? And she's going on about, <laughs> the, the lyrics are, she's talking about feeling kind of uh, special with yes. somebody else, right? I bent the truth too far tonight. I was dancing around, dancing around it, high infidelity. So... It's, uh, it's an interesting song. I yes. think I had it a little higher on my list than you did. You did, but it was one of those that like just kept being switched out. I had it as number 13, and you had it as number 8. Yeah, so I think, and even the lyric about the slowest way to, to kill the one you love is never loving them enough. It seems to oh, me... My heart just hurt you saying that line. I don't think I recognize that in the line. Oh, yeah, oh, my you God. know there's many ways that you can kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving there's them so enough. There's so many ways to hurt people. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, so to me, that kind of, it 
it aligns with the Tom Hiddleston stuff. It's he was a nice guy. There was no real bad blood between them two, pun intended. Uh, but then she goes He's on no to Dick somebody Gyllenhaal else because or John Mayer. <laughs> she didn't feel the way about him that he felt about her is is how I interpreted it anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, number 18, we have Glitch. And let me just see where we had that together. So I had it as number 19, just above Vigilante shit. And you had Glitch at 15. I had this at the very bottom, probably 18, 19 initially. Mm -hmm. And then the more I listened to it, it's just a fun song. Like if you're at a party and the song plays, you can just kind of jam out to it. But there doesn't seem to be that kind of deeper story meaning behind it yeah it's about an unlikely relationship obviously inspired by joe you know she sings 2190 days of our love blackout which is six they've been together six six years years they've been together six years so i I agree when i listen to it i think i like it a little bit more but not enough to have it a little higher but it's a fine song you know i think it sticks out in kind of the mix here it's super quick it's only like two and a half minutes or something too so so number 19, we have would've, should've, could've, which is so obviously about John Mayer. Back on the shit list, Jake Gyllenhaal is breathing a sigh of relief and he's looking at the color red again. But John Mayer, it's your time to not shine because you are getting ripped. In this. I, I've ripped. seen so many kind of like um, TikToks or reels yes. or whatever where they're like, oh, hey, I am uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's publicist and they're hearing the song and then they mention 19 and they're like, oh, thank God, that's not you. And they kind of move on. But this is number one. This is your number one. This is number one. I love this song. It has, like you mentioned before we started, kind of that all too well vibe to it, right? Where it's an angry song, but she's airing it all out there. The lyrics are phenomenal. And I've heard in other podcasts I listened to, one of the reasons this wasn't on the initial album, the 13 songs, is she did not want this to overshadow every other song on the album. And she gets the added bonus of putting this as song 19 when she talks about how she was only 19 in the song multiple times. I just love this. It's There's rumors that it's about, you know, we don't want to get into too much detail as their personal life, but about her losing her virginity to John Mayer. So if you listen to the lyrics, she goes, memories feel like weapons, yada, yada. Give me back my girlhood. It was my first. Giving me Come a on. lot of Vanessa Carlton mm-hmm. uh, White Houses vibes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, she's, first of all, when you're known as a storyteller where you're like, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's the character I'm making. Yeah. You get to live in that beautiful gray area sometimes where you are reverencing an age and a relationship you've sung about before and yet can still have all these people going, eh, is it, is it not? And you can kind of claim totally is it is and she i was only 19 you were 30 whatever too john like, mayer on. like he has not really escaped that he's early persona. 40s and he's dating like yeah, a 21 year old like now or something. he i struggle because as an artist his music is so good and it, i mean as a guitarist top top tier is his own style but as a person not great not great not at great. all and i love and it's towards the end of the song and I belt it out every single time. She goes Will back. Will you hear? Well, she goes back with, I regret you all the time, over and over, just like, screw you, dude. Like, you did this to me. I can't get it out of my mind. I'm so angry that it happened that way. You should have treated me better. This is bullshit. But now I have the power. For me, it's a line. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. Yeah. Like, oh. God. And one how, to put where did that you have on, this on someone. Your list? 
which is his own fault. But, you know, to have that, to be singing it, and he's hearing it. He definitely oh, is. Oh, yeah. You know, to be told, I wish you never even, I wish you just would have had me want to be with you and never did anything. Yep. Brutal. Brutal. Where did you have so this on your list, did you say? So I had because it's wrong. Because number one, it's I had it seven, but it was it was was my five. And again, I just I really kept struggling with like song order. But so I I have no qualms with you having it as your number one. It was a really good, really good song, and I think it could have been on the main. I understand why she didn't, but it's still being talked about. Taylor, so great shot (laughs) to put it at number nineteen, and it is also kind of the staple of the three a.m. version. So she's going to get more sales either selling that song individually or people buying the 3A. Who buys just the regular version of Taylor Swift albums? You got to buy the whole thing. Monsters. Monsters. Get out of here. Monsters, dude. And we didn't even mention, I don't know if you listened to the, she had the uh, Target special release, which has one additional song that's not on the 3AM version. No. I have not heard that yet, but. We must. Just letting you know there <laughs> okay. is one extra song we out there. We have to hear it. It is now my mission. Okay. The only problem is I go to Target and get 15 things for the one thing I needed. Well, you have to buy the whole album at Target, even though you already have and the seven album candles, on your phone. no <laughs> doubt. Um, let's go to our last but not least, at least for me, number 20, Dear Reader, which you referenced the reader of it all you know that was my first email was kayla reader yes and now it's kate writer <laughs> yes um hilarious with more things so don't try to email me um i love this song i i love that she's like you know don't listen to me hello like clearly my albums are about the shit i'm dealing with like don't take my words verbatim don't never take advice from someone falling apart like reckoning with celebrity in a life that's hard to me it could have ended the album as like an additional song i'm not saying i think place. it's a perfect bookend to the it extended is, release it is, though. it yeah. is i i just yeah it's just a conversation to us the listeners i feel and it's you it's know, a great it's nothing too to deep album. it's nothing too like inward but honestly it's just it's a wrap-up it's a wrap-up of what i just sang to you and i'm talking to you like you know, love my lyrics, but don't take them as into your relationships, you know, even though we absolutely will. Um, <laughs> great album. I mean, 3M. We did it. We did the damn thing. Phenomenal album. And I think the flow of her albums, especially with Folklore and Evermore, has gotten better over time. Yes. Like we said, I loved Mastermind at the end of the main album. And then Dear Reader is a great last song for the extended version. And she figured out the first song on the album. She figured out the number one single she put out as anti-hero. She seems to have a better kind of flow of these albums where you can listen through it from one to the end and and kind of follow the storyline throughout. Yes. You know, and the Jack Antonoff of it all, like I said, I've been a fan of his a long time. I don't think he did great stuff with Lord. Gotta say, I loved her first album. The second one, Rough for me. Um this album, I mean, as part of our wrap up, what, what is your favorite sound from Taylor Swift? I guess she, she's had a lot and she, I'm sure she will have more in the future. I what's think she's, it, what is it? I think she's going to move off of Jack Antonoff going forward. Yeah. I think she's trying to experiment with new things. I really love the folklore and evermore sound. Yeah. That just is a thousand percent. It, it fits perfectly with her storytelling ability. You have that, that cottage core. Is that what you said? Yes, it's kind yes, of that feel to it. My eyes lit up when you said that word. <laughs> it just all fits together so well with her voice and her storytelling that that's probably my favorite sound, but they're all great. 
Now, I have this question lyrically how you felt about this album. To me, Evermore and Folklore were stronger to me. Like, I agree. It was line by line. I mean, this is me trying still hurts me. <laughs> like, still hurts me to listen. It's such a sad but great song. Oh, God. It was for the sad girls. Those <laughs> two albums, for sure. I But but I like... There's a lot of powerful stuff. And some entire songs, like Woulda, Shoulda, Coulda. Like, every line. But for me, it was the sound a lot moving forward with this album than the lyrics, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up our 3M thoughts. Oof. Listen to it, folks, if you haven't yet. How much are we going to pay to go see her live? Like uh, $10,000 a piece? Jesus. If we even get there? Oh, my yeah. God. Rough. It's the Hunger Games out here for the Eros, <laughs> Eros album. Okay. Let's get to our Swirly of the Week. Okay. My Swirly of the Week is going to be a man, and that man is Elon Musk. Yeah, mine is Elon Musk slash <laughs> okay. Twitter. We're going to share the Swirly Week because yep. that's how much of a Swirly he is. Now, if you don't know, you are living under a box and or not online, which honestly, good for you. <laughs> I am so online. Help me. Um, Twitter, a safe haven for some, a nightmare site, honestly, for a lot of people. It's a lot of good and a lot, a lot of bad. But Elon now owns Twitter and he is trying to make it profitable as he keeps exclaiming it is not. He also wants to make it the media honesty center that Twitter absolutely is not, much like really any website online. Um, And he keeps trying things and then getting rid of them because they're horrible. One of them was the ability to buy verification. Granted, if you hovered over it, it would tell you that you bought it, not it wasn't because you're a celebrity or whatever, but it gave you advantages like having priority tweets and being able to edit, which is a feature everyone kind of wants. He is... First of all, I think I started it, not to toot my own horn, but I started comparing to it. Like, I'm going down with the ship personally, unless things get real bad and it just becomes a nightmare hellscape. Yep. Um, I'm going down with the ship, like the captain from the Titanic. I started seeing that reference everywhere, so a lot of people are with me. I want to see what ends up happening. Um, I'm, I'm, but you can kind of go more into the details of yeah. it because I, but for me, it's like, Twitter's just my quick thoughts. I find so many people I follow on Twitter hilarious, like so funny. I will be so bummed if Twitter ends up being nothing. <laughs> it, it'll get wrapped into yeah. something else or another company or if it just, take over. Yeah, if it's like alt right, like I, I just it won't be fun anymore to be on. But just the way he got stuck buying it and then two just has these like totally outrageous ideas and then him firing half the people and then asking them to come back. Also terrible. Yeah. So Elon got himself in a predicament mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm going to buy Twitter yes. and he puts out a proposal. They're like, no, we're taking this seriously. Yeah. He tries to back out. He can't because legally he can't. So he has to figure out what to do. He has to sell a whole bunch of stock. He's got to get extra backers. He pays $44 billion for Twitter takes it private. Thank you because my Twitter shares, I ended up getting way more than they were worth when he he took the company private. I think I got $54 a share or whatever he turned out to buy it for. Like you said, he fires 50% of the workforce right away. A few days later goes, oh, we're missing people we need. Has to hire people back on, which they're not happy about. He then ends up doing this uh, blue checkmark, gray checkmark ordeal. And this has had so many real world implications <laughs> yes. where you can buy the verification. Like you said, you get the blue check mark. So people were buying verification, then changing their yes. names to companies 
and there's no way to really distinguish if they're the real ones or not unless you you hover over. Yeah, like unless you, you go to their profile yeah. and see that they have two followers mm-hmm. versus you know like so this Applebee's like, or something. I don't know why I said Applebee's yeah. like they're popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's what came in my head. Like Applebee's having millions. But you, you saw like people like Pepsi tweeted out like a fake Pepsi tweeted out Coke is better. There's fake <laughs> Elon Musk tweeting out. Yes. There was a fake Tesla tweeting out that they're going to start uh, going bankrupt. It became a hilarious nightmare. But you also had companies like Eli Lilly, who provides insulin. There's a fake one of those that came out and tweeted, we're giving this away for free. And then the real Eli Lilly had to tweet out, no, this is not the case. I'm sorry, yada, yada. And their stock tanked. They lost billions of dollars of value because of this. And so have many other companies. So now they have attorneys looking into is Elon or Twitter liable because they did not properly vet this feature ahead of time. Because he's just doing things and putting them in action. Like they're just available the next day. And then on TikTok, I've seen a lot, and I don't know programming, coding language really at all, but a lot of like computer programmers are on there and they bring up, you know, how you can bring up like the code on the bottom of the screen or something. And they're like, wow, there's a ton of errors here. Don't know what's going on. They bring that up. And there's so many things with the internal Twitter controls that are referenced. So their thought was, wow, they are trying to reconfigure things while it's live, but they're supposed to be doing that before putting it live. But now it's on the live version and everything's a freaking mess. Yes. Who really knows what's going on? There's a lot of safety concerns Mm -hmm. because they're saying like many places are just selling everyone's information. And a lot of people are quitting because of that, because they're starting to feel a moral, you know, discrepancy with just, and that's kind of scary as a user. I mean, this is just going down and and he's making a joke of it a bit, but I know like when the doors are closed, he's he's freaking out. He's pissed. He's firing people. I saw a fired employee on TikTok showed his email and somebody just emailed him and is like, hey, uh, your access is done at 6 p.m. today. And it was a meme of Elon was in the formal email that said, pack up your stuff, you're fired. And I'm like, that is screwed up. And I guess there is multiple people that verified it. Who knows? Maybe it's a whole bunch of people in a bit of a a thing together to try to make Elon look worse. But then there are different publications tried to reach out to Twitter for comment on what's happening. And they were told that Twitter no longer has a communications department, so they cannot respond to their request. He's telling they've all been working from home. He's saying basically show up in the office or you're fired. Which is not in their contract. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of this is wild. Basically, it was a joke purchase he did for a laugh and then got stuck actually doing it, which is truly the biggest rally of them all. And um, Tesla has lost $22 billion in value since he took on Twitter because everybody is like, well, he's not going to have enough time for Tesla, which is proving out. So he's sank this money into Twitter. He's losing yes. money in Tesla. He could like lose all his money if this plays out certain ways. It's just it goes in a certain way. A so, mess. Absolutely, he's our swarly, deserved, <laughs> and possibly worse. We'll see. Tune yeah. in. Um, friendship question of the week. We got two of them because Taylor Swift just makes us want to do more yep. than one. You know. So if you had to pick one Taylor, 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 yep. One Taylor Swift album to listen to for the rest of your life. What would it be? This is hard. One of the most difficult questions we've ever asked in friendship questions. Wonderful. The same. Because what do I want? I want something that's going to hit multiple kind of eras of Taylor. So 1989 is my initial thought, but I'm refraining from that because it's all pop. Yep. I want something that's a little different. So then I'm like, what about folklore evermore? 
But that is all kind of that cottage core. Can I deal with that without any real pop songs in there? I'm not entirely sure. I go back so to Red Taylor's Fearless. version. <laughs> I'm going back to Red Taylor's version. Okay. Because oh, I think that's got a combination of yes. different eras. I would like to have something that's got more of that folklore evermore feel to it. But I think Rad Taylor's version hits the poppy stuff, some of the country stuff. You get a wide variety of what she has done in that. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. For me, it's folklore because, yes, I could sit in the cottage core all day, every yeah, day. And that's do. a great album. So, yeah, that one was like I didn't know she would ever give this. And I wouldn't even say to us. I'm going to say to me. I didn't think she'd ever do this yeah. for me, and she did. And then she made a second one, and I'm forever grateful for that. So, yeah, it would be folklore for me. The next one is talking about how this album is a concept album and about these different midnights that keep her up. What would be one of your midnights? This could be good or bad because she has happy midnights and she has sad midnights. Um, so I guess at least over the last, I don't know, year or so, the thing that will keep me up or I think about a lot and I, I struggle with, I go back and forth on is my career choice, honestly, of, all right, I'm an engineer I'm a, and I like what I do sometimes. I hate what I do sometimes. I, I go back and forth on should I try to change careers? I you know, got my MBA to make that a potential option in the future. And I really agonize over that a lot on if I'm making the right decision for my future life and my future family of staying here and the stress that I go through or if it would be better to make a pivot now and and how that would implicate like my the money I would make if I changed to a different career into finance or whatever. So Some fears, yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of yeah. the fears and the things I struggle with when I'm sitting there late at night, like, oh man, I applied here. Do I really want that? I don't know. Should I just be grateful for where I'm at and what I'm making? I don't know. So I maybe that's not quite what you were looking for, but that's what that's I struggle your current with. Current midnight. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. That's good. Um, I think one of my midnights is getting older. Like, yeah. I really, I mentioned this a few times on the pod. Like, I really, as much as when you say you're in your 30s, people who are older, like, literally look at you like you have no clue. Yep. But to me, I'm, like, shaken by it. Like, I think about it a lot. I, I feel like, again, I don't know what other people think. I feel like I think about it a lot more than other people. I yep. think about how I'm in this new decade and you're just that essentially you're on a roller coaster that you can't get off. That's how I feel aging is like birthdays are like sad for me. Like it, it's, and I struggle with it, you know, and part of that is just like, what is at the end? Right. Um, but I, I really, I'm struggling. I, you know, I think about it a lot. Like I said, that is absolutely something if I, that keeps me up. And sometimes I look around, I'm like, no one, Everyone's just living their life like this. Isn't like a huge, massive worry. I am so glad you brought this yeah. up, Kayla. Thank you for being vulnerable on the podcast. Because <laughs> we've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't know if it was on the pod or not, but I'm terrified of death. Yes. Right. And I have moments, maybe not as much as yeah. you based on what you're saying, where I'll be laying there and I, I just like, what happens after this? Like, yeah. I can't fathom it that oh my gosh, this is all going to end someday. And it's such a dreadful feeling yes. that it, it, it just kind of takes everything out of you. It's a heavy dread. It's a, 
yeah, it, if I, I have to try to get out of it in my mind because I'm just like, how are we all not freaking out about this? Like, <laughs> yeah. like what am I if I'm not me? And I know that's so like big, but, but it's like thinking about me not existing or even just, yep. you know, your body fails you eventually. All of that just terrifies me. And I'm like, if I'm in my early 30s thinking that, what's going to happen I hit 40? Like, am I just going to be listening to folklore in the corner of my house? Like, I think that's why so many people <laughs> turn to, like, religion and God and stuff. Because yeah. it's, like, something to look forward to after life. But it, it just makes you think, what's the purpose of everything we're yes, doing? We're going to be yes. gone in 50 okay, years. Okay, okay. Oh, this is good. This is going to turn into many more midnights for me, starting with tonight. So we need to get off this. But, yeah, that would... Obviously, absolutely be one of my midnights and possibly one of yours. Yeah. I think that wraps it up for Midnights, for this album that Taylor Swift gifted to us in this year of 2022. Thank you, Taylor. And listen to it. Listen to this pod. And we'll see you next week. And you're not the problem, Taylor. It's me. Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.